talk today about faith. Now, this may be faith 101 for some, but hey, how many of you know we need to hammer the basics? We need the basics. We need a foundation. Amen? Hallelujah. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we'll start there. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now jump with me to Hebrews 11.6. says, but without faith, say faith. faith, it is impossible to please him. Who's him? God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. All right, now turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This scripture here I picked out, it, it touches on faith, but it's for you moms. I want to read something here. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5. Now me, I, I'm not, you, I, when there's a holiday, I'm not necessarily one who just jumps into the holiday and says, well, I'm just going to preach on Mother's Day today. I'm going to preach about mothers. Actually, I'm not preaching about mothers today. Amen. <laughs> but I threw in a scripture here that kind of ties in something to Mother's Day. So take hold of it, you moms. It says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as, as my forefathers did. And without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, be, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is talking to Timothy here, a young pastor. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, listen, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. I just want to touch on that. Moms, you have an incredible responsibility to raise your children up in the faith, in the word of God. Amen? Oh, no, no person, nobody, nothing can take the place of a mom in the home training up their child. Amen? N not the Sunday school teacher. We love the Sunday school teachers. Amen? But that's once a week. Right? Moms, take your place. Take your place and raise your children up in the faith. Amen? All right. So today I want to talk about the life of faith, specifically characteristics of faith and characteristics of a faith-filled life. Now, I don't know about you, but I get absolutely amazed, stunned, when I hear Christians cut down messages about faith. I, it just it shocks me. You, trust me, if you haven't heard it yet, you're going to run into people who are Christians, they love the Lord, but when they hear the word faith, immediately their wall goes up and, because they heard such wacky teachings about faith in the past. Are you hearing me? So everything about faith, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? But uh, the Word of God says, ele Hebrews eleven six 6 said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. When I hear that, my ears perk up. Amen. I don't know about you, but just that very statement alone makes me want to know more about faith because I want to please God. I want to please my Heavenly Father. Jesus made this statement in the Word. He said, when the Son of Man returns, when he comes back, his second coming, he said, 
He said, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus is looking for people who are filled with faith. So faith is not a F word. It's not a bad word. Amen. Don't lump faith with the other F words. Amen. Because without it, it's impossible. Forget it. Is there any, oh, all things are possible with God. Well, something is impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. You cannot approach God without faith and please him. It's impossible. So is there something God can't do? Yeah, there's something he can't do. He cannot be pleased without faith in you. Faith in your heart toward him, toward his word. Are you hearing me this morning? I want to please God. Now, faith means this. If you look up a thesaurus, these are words that mean that were that you look up faith, you'll find this. Faith means assurance, a conviction, a confidence. I found this interesting. Loyalty or faithfulness, loyalty, a reliance on, trust in, and come on, being fully, say fully, fully persuaded. Not half, not double-minded. Fully persuaded. Now, this is interesting. You look up the antonym. What's an antonym? It's a word that is opposite of the word that we're talking about here. What's the opposite of faith? Listen to this. The opposite of faith is doubt, mistrust, skepticism, all you skeptics. (laughs) And listen to this. I found this real interesting. Infidelity. Unfaithfulness to God. So faith is a loyalty to, but the opposite is infidelity. Well, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Stepping out, stepping out of your covenant with God. Go to James chapter 2. I'm having fun already. Hallelujah. Oh, sweet presence of the Lord in here today. Amen? James chapter 2. Uh, I want to read verses 14 through 22. I have seven full pages of a message today. So put your spiritual seatbelts on. Amen. We'll work, our, we're, we'll work our way through it. I'll try to make it interesting for you. Amen. We'll, we'll bring in the popcorn. We'll bring in the pop. We'll, oh, hallelujah. James 2, 14 through 22. Listen. What does it profit, my brethren? He's talking to Christians. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can faith save him? Did I just read that in the word of God? Works must be really important then to God. Amen? If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warm, be filled, and you do not give them the things which they are in need needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Isn't that beautiful? I love that wording. You believe that there's one God, you do well. Even, oh get this, even the demons believe or evil spirits believe and tremble. 
But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by, by, the, by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together? Say working together. Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? You see, faith is not just a belief. Faith is a lifestyle for the Christian. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Christian should dictate the way that you live your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It should dictate what you think, say, and do. See, it even said in here, even the demons believe and tremble. Demons know that there's a God. See, it's not good enough that you just know that there's a God. Amen? The question is, have you made that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord, the master, the boss of your life? That's, oh, come on now. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Elizabeth and I, when we've talked to people in malls and all that and about Jesus, you know, they, we say, hey, you know, are you a, you know, are you a believer? You know, they, oh, yeah, I believe in God. Great. You're a Christian. You love the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, I, no, I didn't say that. I, I believe in God. Oh, you see, Jesus Christ separates it right there. Jesus Christ, if, if someone doesn't confess Jesus Christ, forget it. I don't care if they sit in this pew every, or this seat every Sunday. Are you hearing me? It all starts with Jesus. See, God is really kind of a generic term. Satan's called the God of this world system in 2 Corinthians 4. 4. But, but you look at it, it's a small g. Our God is a big G. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that we as Christians are to live by faith. When a person has truly made Jesus Lord of their life, don't give me this garbage. Don't talk to me just empty words. There's going to be evidence with it. There's going to be evidence with it. Amen? Faith, now listen, I'm giving you some just faith 101 today. Faith always stems from knowledge, not presumption. Faith always stems from a knowledge, from knowledge, not presumption. To truly have faith for something, you need to know what the Word of God has to say about that specific topic. See, the, that's why the Bible says that my people perish and are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge of what the Bible says. You see, someone can't get born again. Someone can't get saved unless they know from the Bible it's God's will for them to be saved. Are you hearing me? They're not going to know. But then it's just, it's just a hope. It's a presumption. Oh, I just hope. No, but when you find scriptures that show you, yes, God wants you saved. Yes, Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. Yes, he said, I will not cast you out if you come to me. Then you can come with boldness and confidence. You can stand on it because the word of God says it. Are you hearing me? See, it's the word of God that backs our faith. It's the word of God that makes what we are believing for valid. 
Not just a hope, not just a presumption. It makes it valid. Hallelujah. Now, those who believe in reincarnation and evolution and junk like that, they have absolutely no basis for the beliefs. According to the word, and even science disproved all that junk. Our youth pastors was telling us they're running into some kids who believe in evolution and call themselves Christians. Amen? No, I wasn't morphing back to a monkey when I was picking up the junk off the floor. Are you hearing me? <laughs> Amen? It's ridiculous. It's sad. Now listen to this. It is possible to have knowledge of what the Bible says, but not have faith in it. Doesn't Hebrews say that your beliefs, it has to be mixed with faith? It's got to be mixed in with faith. See, listen, listen to this. I want to say it again. It's possible to have knowledge of what the Bible says, but not have faith in it. Maybe because of tradition of the church you went to, they never taught something or whatever, and you don't believe it. But listen to this. Spiritual maturity for the Christian. Spiritual maturity is, is not based on knowledge only. It doesn't matter how much you know. Are you ready for this answer right here? Oh, I got the pastor blessing over here. He's hearing me. It's applied knowledge in your life. You can, know, you can know the Bible inside and out, and I'll tell you, I'll give you a scriptural evidence of that. Satan and evil spirits know the Bible better than you or me. But they're not, they're not living it. In fact, they're doing everything they can to rip to shreds the word of God. They're doing everything they can to desecrate the word of God in this earth. Are you hearing me? So it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter if you know that Jesus loves you. What matters is if you apply that knowledge in your life of what the Word says. Mm. Okay, so we're getting somewhere, right? I, I, I said it before, talk is cheap. And that's basically what the book of James was saying. Hey, talk is cheap. It's the doer of the Word that's blessed. It's the doer of the Word that's walking the narrow road which leads to life. Are you hearing me? Because I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of people sitting in churches. They're sitting in the church. They're hearing messages. And they're, they're, they got the talk. But you know what? They're walking on that wide road which leads to hell. Ouch. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you right now. It's time. It's time. Holiness is not a dirty word. Holiness is biblical. Hallelujah. Holiness, true faith. Faith and holiness are twins. Faith and holiness are twins. You can't separate them. You can't separate them. True faith, true biblical faith. Amen? Hallelujah. So remember this. The knowledge that you gain from the word of God is worthless to you. Unless you apply it in your life and take hold of the benefits of it. It's worthless to you. It's just dead words unless you put it into action in your life. Personally, I'm talking about. Amen? Now, when you're living the life of faith, 
You are doing what the Bible calls walk, walking in the light. You're walking in the light. You are allowing the word of God and the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you in your life. You're walking in the light. Now, uh, turn to Psalm 119, 105. Walking in the light of God, God's word means that you have a revelation that the Bible is more than just a good book. But rather, it's the word of God, and it's the standard set by our creator to live by on this earth while you are in your earth suit. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? While you're in the earth suit, what is he talking about? I'm talking about here on this earth in your physical body. These are the standards God expects his people to live by. Now, Psalm 119, 105 says this. Your word, or the word of God, the Bible, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, listen to this. Anytime you live your life outside of the boundaries, outside of the boundaries that are set in the word of God, Brother, sister, you just stepped out into the darkness of night. <laughs> Did you hear me? You just stepped outside of the boundaries. Because the Bible does set boundaries when it says we are to walk in love. We are to stay away from witchcraft. We're supposed to blah, blah, blah. We're blah, blah, blah. These are boundaries. They're boundaries. And within the boundaries of the word and you stay within them, and you're letting the Holy Spirit help you live that victorious life, because you can't do it on your own. But when you're in those boundaries, I'll tell you right now, you're walking in the light. Oh, there's no room for stumbling. You're walking in the light. But the minute you step outside of that box of the boundaries, the minute you step outside, you're in darkness. And when you are walking or living your life in darkness... You are living a life of deception, thinking you're okay, you're all right, you're doing your own thing, but you're really on the devil's territory for your life. When you're walking in darkness, you're opening yourself up to Satan and evil spirits for them to attack you in your life. When you walk outside of the boundaries of the word, when, think of this, when you're within the boundaries, God's hand is on you, oh, his blessing's on you, oh, his presence is encamping you, but the minute you walk out, God has to remove his hands. He, he's got to remove his hands, he's got to remove his presence, because he will not dwell with sin. The only thing he's obligated to bless is his word, and you applying it in your life. This is good stuff. Come on. It's not wacky. It's not quacky. It's the word of God. Amen? But the word of God is our lamp. It's our flashlight to our feet. It's a light unto our path in life. It will keep us standing when darkness covers the whole earth. How many of you know this earth, this world system's very dark? Can I see an amen on that? It's our flashlight. It's our light. It's our lamp. Hallelujah. So we don't stumble in the darkness of the world. It leads us in the path of life. It helps us, like I said, just to stay on the narrow path of righteousness. It will keep us on the path of blessings as Christian, as a Christian. Go to John chapter 12. 
Hallelujah. Maybe I'm bringing some things up. You've never seen it from this angle before. Well, you can thank the Holy Ghost. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, John 12, 42 through 46. It says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. The H is capitalized. Who is it talking about? Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue or excommunicated, <laughs> kicked out of the denomination. Verse 43, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, he who believes in me believes not, uh, wait, he who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. Oh, come on. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide or continue or dwell in darkness. See, when you're pursuing to know the Jesus of the Bible more and more and more, you will not abide. You will not dwell in darkness but will abide in the light. Hallelujah. You ever hear that song, This Little Light of Mine? I was just singing that this morning to Alyssa. This little light of mine. Come on, I'm going to let it shine. It's Jesus in us. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Now listen to this. In that scripture, the Greek word that's translated darkness, this is what darkness means in that scripture. It means evil, sin, obscurity, ignorance, and moral depravity. See, when you're allowing the word of God to be the moral standard for your life, you will avoid the darkness of evil. You will avoid the darkness of sin. You will avoid the darkness of, of, of uh, obscurity. You will avoid the darkness of ignorance or a lack of knowledge. And you'll avoid the darkness of moral depravity in this world. Now, there's a scripture that talks about the dangers and consequences of not giving the word of God first place in your life. It's Romans chapter 1, 18 through 32. I, I don't have time to read it all right now, but, but read it at home. Romans 1, 18 through 32. It talks about making a God that fits you instead of receiving and accepting the God of the Bible. It's called idolatry. And it will lead you down the path of darkness, which is filled with destruction and disappointment. Amen? But look at this. Go to Romans 1.32. Actually, that's even the scripture that talks about homosexuality. Said that these individuals, they didn't, they didn't receive the God of the Bible in a nutshell. I'm giving you the James Brandt cut down here. They didn't receive the God of the Bible. They made a God for themselves. And it says God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He just gave them over. And that's when women started burning in lust toward each other. That's when men started burning in lust toward each other. Hence, homosexuality. It's wrong, people. Amen? Romans 1.32. Look at this. It says, who knowing, so it lists all these things, that they're backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, and all these things. You can look at it on your own there. But look at 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that, who, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I, you probably didn't catch that. 
You, you probably didn't catch this. I want you to notice in Romans 1.32 there. It has harsh words for those who do such things, but then it goes on to warn those that approve such things. See, <laughs> the one who does homosexuality and the one who approves of it are lumped in the same category according to the Word of God. Oh, you approve of it? Fine. All these, all these senators and, and House of Representative people and, and, and all these other people who think they're smarter than the Word of God and the standards of God, they're in for a wake-up call. Just to please the, the world system. Amen? They're just pleasing the devil. So remember this. Approving sin is just as bad as doing the very acts in the eyes of God. Don't ever forget that. Go back to John 12. John 12, 42. Hallelujah. I'm sensing that the Father is well pleased with his preached word today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, even if you're not. Glory. Ah, there's an audience of one. Amen. I'm going to have to answer to one on one judgment day, and it's not you. Amen. John 12, 42 says this, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Jesus and him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Look at, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I want you to notice that many of the rulers believed, but because of the Pharisees, they did not publicly confess Jesus as Lord. They did not publicly confess Jesus as the Son of God. Which brings me to my point here. The first characteristic of the life of faith for the Christian is that you are not ashamed to publicly confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't tell me that you're living a life of faith when you shy away and you're embarrassed to talk to someone about Jesus. Don't tell me that junk. Amen? It comes down to you love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Amen? Romans 1. Go to Romans 1. Very popular scripture here. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says this. Paul said this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel or the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. If you, come on, let's just, let's just drop the religious mask. Let's drop the dead religious mask and all this stuff. Let, let's just get right down to the heart of the matter, people. If you really believed that you held the key and you have knowledge of the key that will keep people out of hell for eternity and out of the lake of fire for eternity, if you really were convinced, if you really were persuaded, wouldn't you want to pull others out of the pit of hell by telling them? Let's just cut the junk. Amen? 
If you really feel you have the key, or is it just a religious game? Is it just a Sunday show to ease your conscience? Is that what? Why? Why do you come? Why do you call yourself a Christian? Is there evidence? If you were convicted, if someone brought you into a courtroom and convicted you as a Christian, would there, e- would there even be enough evidence to convict you? Or would the judge say, sorry, not enough evidence. You're, you can go free. Or would there be enough evidence to say, yes, this individual is a follower, is a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Bible talks about. Oh, I know, we're, we're cutting right to the heart of the matter, aren't we? We're, we're, just, cutting, we're, we're just cutting corners here, amen? Right? Well, I mean, why waste our time? Why waste our time and just talk something out of a three-point sermon with Reader's Digest? Let's just cut to the matter. Are we Christians or not? And if we are, and we feel that, boy, we have something that the other people need, we're going to share it. And it doesn't matter what the response is. It doesn't matter how persecuted you're going to get. Jesus said you're going to be persecuted. If you live for me on this earth, yeah, you better believe you're going to be persecuted. So just expect it. Just expect it. Amen? Actually, it's kind of cool getting persecuted for the sake of Christ. Now, I'm serious. When you know you're standing up for righteousness, when you know you're talking the truth, and someone comes up against you and, and, you know, and, and slander or whatever, it's like this is exactly what Jesus said what would happen. Amen? And it, Jesus said, basically, it's an honor to be persecuted for my name, he said. It's an honor. Amen? Thank you, one amen over there. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you. All right. Popcorn all over here. Hallelujah. Now, I want to show you something here. I want to show you from the Bible that those Christians that do not confess Jesus to others, that don't speak the word to others, are actually hindering angelic assistance in their life. Oh, come on now. I know, you're like, where is he going with this? He better have some good scriptures to back this up. <laughs> How many of you would be shocked to find that out? That though, if you're shying back and you don't talk to others about, about Jesus, about the Bible, that you're actually hindering God's holy angels from working in your behalf. Come on. All right, go to Luke chapter 12. The Holy Spirit really illuminated this to me. I said, Holy Ghost, are you sure about that? <laughs> are you sure? And then, and then he gave me another scripture. All right. All right, Luke 12, 8 and 9, verses 8 and 9. The, the words aren't read. This is Jesus. He said, also I say to you, whosoever confesses me, remember John 1 calls Jesus the word also, so confesses Jesus, confesses the word to others. Before men, him the Son of Man will also, also will confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. 
Now listen to this. The angelic assistance that we as Christians receive is in direct proportion to how open we are to confess Jesus, to confess the word of God to other people. Jesus, where's Jesus right now? Let me break this down for you. I'll show you. Jesus right now is not on this earth, is he? The only part of the, the Trinity that's on this earth right now is the Holy Spirit. God the Father and Jesus are up in heaven right now. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. Is this starting to click? So say that you're in a situation and you need supernatural angelic help to protect and deliver you out of a situation. If you have been faithful in confessing Christ to others, speaking the word, Jesus, when he's interceding, he's going to call your name and say, angels, go and help such and such. I've never seen that before in the Word. I have never seen that before in the Word of God. Have you? How many times have we passed up and tied the hands of, 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 the, of the, well, however God wanted to deliver us, either angelic assistance or whatever, because we rather have the praise of men rather than the praise of God. Is this clicking with anyone today? See, if you're ashamed of Jesus and not living for him, he'll not confess you before the angels of God in your time of need. His hands are tied because of your disobedience and lack of faith in the word. Now, you want another scripture that talks about this? Just one more, maybe just to settle it a little bit more. Go to Psalm 103. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 103, I have never seen that in the word of God before. He's interceding for us at the right hand of God. It's quite interesting in that scripture. He says, he won't con if you, if you uh, don't confess him, he won't confess you before the angels of God. Don't you find that interesting? Psalm 103, 20 says this, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. Look at this last part. Heeding the voice of his word. Let me ask you this right now. Who gives voice to the word of God on this earth? We do. When we speak the word of God, when we speak a scripture into our situations, the Bible says that angels heed the voice of the word. The voice. We give voice to the word of God. And we can dispatch angels on our behalf by speaking the word, the promises of God. God, you said that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Boy, when they hear that, boy, that attracts them right there. Boom, we got to go. We got a mission to take care of here. Because God, the Bible says that God will perform his word. And his word, it says, will not return void. And it will prosper in that thing which it was sent to do. Are you catching this? Some of you are going to view the word very differently and, and give more importance to it. Amen? Now, so, faith 101 here. So what increases our faith as Christians? Is there a part that we play in how much we possess? Or is it just all dropped on us by God? Go to Romans 12, 3. 
I would say that's a pretty important factor, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. If there's something we can do to hinder our faith or grow our faith, don't you think that's pretty important? If we have a part to play in the matter? See, this is one thing I found, and I'm not, just, I'm not cutting people down. Uh, listen, this is what I found in most non-spirit-filled churches or churches who don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of these churches just believe that God just does everything and there's nothing, no part that we play in the matter. Are you hearing me? See, that's a very dangerous thing to think because the fact is we do have a huge part to play. Amen? We do. And, and frankly, that's what I find out. And, you know, like, like they'll say, well, if God wants you healed, he'll just heal you. Well, no, the Bible's very clear that there's principles and things that we can do. There's things we can do to promote the power of God and, and, and tap into it. And there's things we can do to hinder the flow. But that's, that's why you got people dropping like flies of cancer and all these other diseases in these other churches. And it makes the word of God look terrible. Amen? But there's things we can do. that We do play a part in it. Where am I? Romans 12. All right. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 3. The question is this. Is there a part we play in this matter or does God just drop it all on us and we have no part in the matter? It says this. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, just a casual reading of that, you would just kind of pass over and say, well, God just gives it, and that's it. God gave us the measure of faith, right? No, I'm, I'm going to give you something that's going to make you view that a little differently. God has given us the measure of faith. He has given us humans the ability to have faith. Now, the amount we possess is up to us. And, and the only thing I can think of, and hopefully this clicks for you, it's like God has given us a measuring stick. Okay, there's a measuring stick. He's given us the ability to have faith. Now, how high we go on that measuring stick is up to us. Now, think about this. Some of you are saying, what have I been missing all of these years? Amen. How much more could I have tapped into in life? How much more of the benefit? How much more of the power of God could I tapped into? Well, stick around. Listen. So, how does faith come? How does it grow? That's the next question. We know God's given us this measuring stick. We know now God's given us the ability. But how, do, how does it grow? How does it grow? What can we do to promote uh, the growth of our faith? Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. 13 through 17. Are you ready to go home yet? Just lie to me if you want to. Amen? Holly, don't tell me the truth. Hurts too bad. Oh, forget it. I'm having fun. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 13 through 17. It says, for, who, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe, uh, believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So if you have ugly looking feet, start preaching the gospel. Amen. 
Hallelujah. But they, look at 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. <laughs> For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? What I want you to get is verse 17 right here. This is the key right here. How does your faith grow? It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, literally that verse means this. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing. And you can go on. The word of God. So why are so many people in, the ch in churches filled with unbelief? Because they're hearing crap. They're hearing crap. They're hearing crap. <laughs> I know. Hold on to your seat, honey. She says, I hold my breath every time. <laughs> like Jesse Duplantis' wife. <laughs> I'm serious. Amen. They, they keep hearing spiritual poison, spiritual poison, spiritual poison, spiritual. And, and there's just unbelief. Just unbelief. But Hebrews 4.12 says that the word is quick and alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. When the word of God is read or heard, the Holy Spirit uses it to supernaturally awaken a response of faith in our spirit man. When you read the Bible, even if you're just reading the Bible, your spirit man hears it. Come on now. Your spirit, this is faith 101, I'm telling you right now. Take hold of this. Take hold of it. When you are reading or hearing the word of God, listen, why does it build faith? Well, it's supernatural, but here's, here's another reason here. Maybe you never considered, okay? You're learning, when you're hearing or reading the word of God, you're learning about the will of God. You're learning about the promises of God. You're, you're hearing and you're learning how much he loves and cares for you. You're hearing and reading scriptures that talks about God's faithfulness. You're hearing scriptures that talk about his awesome favor and grace. And you're hearing all the wonderful attributes of God. When you read and hear the word of God, you're finding out how God views you. And how much he values you. And because of all these things you're hearing, the wonderful things you're hearing and learning from the word, your trust and your faith in God is supernaturally, supernaturally built up in your spirit, man. You're, you start to say, wow, this is a good God. Hallelujah. And your faith just ignites. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, as you continue to read and hear the word of God, Romans 12, 1 through 2 says that you're renewing your mind, your natural mind. You're renewing it. And, and the renewing of the mind process is simply this. It's taking all the cobwebs of junk that you've been taught, even from a little baby, that are unscriptural, and you're pulling those cobwebs apart and you're replacing it with what the Bible says. That's renewing your mind. And you're, rene you're lining up your mind with your spirit man. Oh, hallelujah. Look out. When that happens, that's when you can walk in the fullness of power that God has for his people. When your natural mind's lining up with your spirit, man, that's doing somersaults because of the word. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So that is the importance of finding the promises of God in the Bible. That's the importance of studying the, God, the, the Bible for yourself apart from Sunday morning. Apart from Wednesday evening, that's the importance of you getting into the Word and reading it every night. Read it for a half hour. Read it for 15 minutes. Get into the Word. 
Amen? Pick a topic. Grace, love, whatever. Miracles, whatever. These things. And just study it. Do a word study on it. Amen? That's the importance of you getting into it. Now, living a life of faith means that you will have to leave your familiar surroundings and comfort zones. If you're truly going to live the life of faith that God wants you to live for your life, you may have to leave your familiar surroundings, but you'll definitely have to leave your comfort zones. Go to Genesis 12.1. Oh, hallelujah. I'm getting close to close here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Pastor, you know that technique, don't you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) oh hallelujah glory genesis 12 1 oh this talks about abram his name was later changed to abraham when god cut a covenant with him hallelujah hallelujah now you're gonna have you you may have to leave familiar surroundings elizabeth and i had to go down to tulsa to ramah amen you might not have to go to Ramah, right? So don't worry about this. But you will have to leave your comfort zones. Listen to Abram. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but I bet you there's a little bit of uncomfortableness in that. I'll tell you this right now. And I'll put this as, as easy is I can, and you're just going to have to accept this truth right now if you're a Christian. Not every friend or family member is going to stick by and support your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you need to know this also, that you personally are going to have to give an account for your own life on Judgment Day, not for the life of that family member. Using a family member is not an excuse. I'll tell you this right now, if we would have listened to family, Elizabeth and I never would have made the journey to Tulsa, to the holy city. (laughs) You you know what I'm talking about, it's just kind of a joke. Tulsa, you know, the Bible belt. We never would have left. We never would have went out. They said, are you nuts? Together, Elizabeth and I were pulling in 60 grand a year. We had a nice house in Waterford, great jobs. No kids, I mean, it was just... So, so uh, no, 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 I don't mean that. But, I mean, you can see how that 60 grand, boy, we were just having fun. We were going out visiting family in Nevada, Arizona. I mean, man, we were just out and about, just having a good old time. But I'll tell you this right now, when the call of God's on your life, you'll do anything to forsake your familiar surroundings. You'll do anything to forsake your comfort zone. Some people are a little bit tougher to work on. And the Holy Spirit has to work overtime on you. <laughs> Amen. But... We never would have left. Our family was like, are you nuts? You're crazy. Selling all? It, on top of that, actually, Elizabeth was six months pregnant when we made that journey. Can you imagine? But I'll tell you what, as I was going down there, I felt like Abraham, boy. Oh, hallelujah. I felt like it was a journey. It, it was, it, there was an excitement, and I knew God was in it. I knew it wasn't just James thinking this thing up. I knew that I knew I was supposed to be down there. Hallelujah. And when you are willing to forsake things that would hinder you. I'm not saying forsake family and just uh, excommunicate yourself from a family. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the devil will use any tool he can to stop the will of God for your life. And I am so glad we were obedient because I wouldn't be standing here today 
if I didn't go down to Tulsa for two years to Rama. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James 2.23 refers to Abraham as a friend of God because of his faith and obedience to put God at the center of his life. He put God at the center of his life, and God calls him a friend. Calls him a friend. God told Abraham, come out of your comfort zone and follow my leading, and I will bless you for your faith. I will, I will bless you for your obedience to serve me. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Living the life of faith means that you will not look back and regret, in regret after committing your life to Christ. If you're living a life of faith, you're not going to look back to the pig slop. When you put your hand to the plow and you're moving forward with God, you're not going to look back and say, I wish I wasn't doing this. No, the life of faith says, I'm in it to win it. I'm not looking back. I'm, I'm moving forward. Amen? Luke 9, 57, 62 talks about that. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read it right now. But being fit for the kingdom of God means that you're, you're willing to move when God says go. It means that you know the most important thing in life is to obey the word, to obey the instructions of the master. And anything outside of fulfilling the will of God for your life is a waste of time and a distraction. And my very last thing here, I promise. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. I want to close with one scripture here. That it's power packed with instructions for the Christian. If you're obeying these commands, you are living a life of faith, all right? Let's go through this real quick here. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Now that's not very popular, is it? Well, you're judging, aren't you? No, it says warn them. If the word of God says, uh, has a command, you see a brother or sister in the Lord going outside of that. You, you need to warn them. Brother or sister, the word of God says this. You ought not to be doing that. Amen? That's not judging. That's walking in love towards someone. Because <laughs> you don't want to see them ended up in the pits of hell. You don't want to see them, uh, their life getting cut off before it's time. Ecclesiastes says your life can be cut off before it's time. Well, what's its time? Psalm 91 says that God wants you to live a long and abundant life. Amen? Amen. Read it for yourself. It says, un, uh, he says, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Now, that can be tough sometimes, can't it? Especially those mother-in-laws, I tell you. <laughs> She's not going to hear this tape, is she? <laughs> See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. But always pursue what is good for both yourself, yourselves and for all. Oh, here you go. Life of faith. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Wayne points this out in the training center all the time. It doesn't say don't give thanks for everything. It says in everything, give thanks. Are you hearing me? See, if you're sick, you can give thanks to God because your answer is sitting right in here. Your healing's right on its way. Amen? Hallelujah. If you have lack in your life, you can thank, you can praise God in it because he said, I will provide every need. Yeah. 
for those who seek first the kingdom. Come on. You got to do your part. <laughs> do your part and God will do his. Amen. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 19, do not quench the spirit. In other words, don't put the fire out. Don't do anything that's going to douse and throw water on the fire of the Holy Ghost in your life, on the fervor, on your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't do anything. Don't do anything that's going to quench the Spirit of God. Verse 20, don't, do not despise prophecies. Oh, yeah, that was just coming out of their own flesh. No, don't despise it. The Bible says don't despise. You can judge it according to the word, right? But don't despise it. Listen to it. Test all things. Don't be blind and just grab a, a movie or something like that, like a Harry Potter, and say, oh, it's just a cute movie. No, it's witchcraft. <laughs> Test all things. Test all things according to the word of God. Hold fast what is good, and come on, right here. Verse 22 sums it all right here. Abstain, stay away, shun from every form of evil. Friends, if you do this, and there's so much more I could have brought up, but I can't because... Uh, we got to get rolling here. But if you do these things, you're on your way to the life of faith. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, I pray the word that has been spoken today would be engrafted on the hearts of the hearers. Now maybe there's someone in here you listen to the message and you're like, well that's wonderful. I, I would like, sure like to be a part of that, but you know what? I never made Jesus Lord of my life. I've never officially given him my life. I never officially confessed him as Lord and Savior of my life. I want to do it today. If you want to make Jesus Lord of your life today, I want you to come to this altar. Just come up front and I want to pray with you and you're going to receive a new birthday. Become born again. A new birthday. Amen. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. You've fallen away. Uh, the Bible in your in your you know in your own mind has become just a good book. The reality of the power of the word, the power of the gospel, has diminished. And today, you want to rededicate your life. You've been living in the pig slop. You've been eating out of the pig slop. But today, you want to drink from the living water. Today, if you want to rededicate your life to Christ, come forward today. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. The bo Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. You've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. If you, if you don't know what it is, but you want everything God has for you, you need to come up to this altar. Amen. God will meet you here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Maybe there's someone in here you need a physical healing. You need an emotional healing. Uh, you need a deliverance. You're bound by the devil. You have fear. You have anxiety. That's that's just overwhelming. Uh, you need a deliverance today. Maybe maybe that's you. I want you to come forward today. Those four things. The rest of you just praise God. Worship the Lord in your seat right now. Chris, turn that up a little bit as we worship the Lord. There is nothing like the presence of Almighty God. Amen. Hallelujah.
lives elsewhere. And better is one. Better is one day, one day in his presence, one day in his courts, hallelujah, than a thousand elsewhere. There's no substitute for the presence of God. Hallelujah. Anyone else need a healing? You need a physical healing. You need an emotional healing. You're a wreck. Hallelujah. Take hold of this faith message today. It's, it'll change your life. It'll change your life. Some need to get a better attitude towards the, the topic of faith. Amen? It's biblical. Without faith, it's impossible to please our God. Amen? Oh, well, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for showing up here. Hallelujah. You guys, mothers, have a happy Mother's Day. Elizabeth and I are splitting to the east side of the state immediately. So we are out of here. The Oasis is open for fellowship and uh, no training center tonight. Uh, come back Wednesday. We're still showing that Rodney Howard Brown video. Amen? Amen. Be blessed. Thanks for coming today. Hallelujah.